Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The first fall storm of the season delivered as promised, pounding many areas of the province with heavy rain and wind. Hydro crews were scrambling to restore power for tens of thousands of people. Jeff Hastings has more on the impact and the cleanup. A symphony of chainsaws in neighborhoods across the province. Yeah, it should be a good winter. Lots of work. The first serious fall storm of the year has plunged tens of thousands into darkness. Trees on power lines, the most common culprit. Trees on cars, thankfully not as common. A tough morning for the son of a former B.C. cabinet minister whose vehicle is crushed. Heard a big thump and uh, looked out the window and saw a tree had come down. Didn't realize that it had flattened my son's car at the back here, which was parked on the street. Before the wind, there was endless rain. You're pretty brave, no umbrella. It's so windy, it's just going to be inside out. <laughs> Imagine arriving from a Hawaiian cruise to this. This is nasty. What a welcoming no. to Canada. Once the system was done with the lower mainland, it hit the southern interior hard. Thousands lose electricity, a roof is torn off a West Kelowna business. And the whole roof was shaking and everything, glass came down and then it just flew right over like, and everybody's like, run, get out! And then I ran and got out. At a nearby building, metal flashing is ripped up right into a power line. The lights started to flash and uh, we started to hear some sparks. Looked out the back door and there was like chunks of flame. Ripped up right into a power line. The lights started to flash and uh, we started to hear some sparks. Looked out the back door and there was like chunks of flames and sparks flying off. It's a similar story in Kamloops. Downed lines and damaged buildings. A house impaled by a piece of deck cover. So I got scared and I ran for cover. I could see the patio cover rifting off. It's an aluminum patio cover and it was coming off in big chunks. City officials are asking people to stay out of the parks. It's a matter of public safety that we're asking the public to stay away from our parks and public trails, just wherever you see large trees. There are insurance claims at the end of the rainbow. And a lot of work ahead. Might be a nice change from all the heat we've had lately. Kind of like the rain. He does for now at least. There's a lot more on the way. Jeff Hastings, Global News. Yes, there is, and we'll bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon right now to explain when and where it'll hit. Christy. Thanks, Chris. So a bit of a break overnight, but you can see this is storm number two, and it is on deck. So the rain will begin to pick up early tomorrow morning, but the peak of this storm will happen between about 8 a.m. and late tomorrow afternoon. It will be a major rain event, especially along the North Shore, similar to last one, but this time more rain for those of you in the Fraser Valley, only 30 for Metro Vancouver. And the strongest winds will be from Surrey, extending all the way into the Fraser, uh, Fraser Valley regions with gusts up to 70 kilometers meters an hour. When I come back, parts of the coast though have gusts up to or are expecting gusts up to 110 kilometers an hour tomorrow. I'll show you that when I come back. That's serious. All right. Thanks, Christy.
Well, the pictures are dramatic, but thankfully, police say no serious injuries in this two-vehicle crash at the intersection of Highway 10 and 168th Street this morning. It's alleged the driver of the SUV turned left in front of another vehicle. Three people were taken to hospital with minor injuries. An RCMP officer directing traffic at the scene was also sideswiped, but his injuries are not believed to be serious. Surrey RCMP advising the public about a sexual assault on a student. It happened in the 18800 block of 69th Avenue near Clayton Heights Secondary just before 8 this morning. RCMP say the 15-year-old was on her way to school when she was allegedly grabbed from behind and groped. The suspect is described as Caucasian in his 30s or 40s, wearing a dark hoodie and gray and blue washed-out jeans. RCMP are appealing to the public for information that may lead to the suspect. Today marks the first in a three-day sentencing hearing for Arvind Golick, guilty of manslaughter and the swarming death of Luca Gordich in Whistler. Our Grace Key is at the courthouse and Grace a difficult day, as always, when there are victim impact statements. Yeah, about 25 victims' impact statements were read in court today, all of them from friends and family. So Arvin uh, Golich was found guilty in manslaughter in the stabbing death of 19-year-old Luca Gordick in Whistler over the May long weekend of 2015. Emotions certainly were running high as victim impact statements were being read. Family members at one point uh, directly addressing Arvin in court. Luca's mother asking Arvin to look at her at one point. Luca's father reading, I don't know where my child is. I don't know if he's warm or safe and can he hear my voice. Friends described him as always having a big heart, always being there for him, up there for them. Cousins say he was more like a brother. He was always fun and energetic. We did speak with Luca's mother and brother outside of court today. It's just a beautiful guy. Everybody who knew Luca knows how he was. Uh, caring, uh, loving, uh, just a beautiful kid. He grew up to be a beautiful uh, boy, young man. I think about him every single day. He was my best friend. I, I dream about him. And uh, just, I miss him so much. And uh, like I said, we're going to fight for him every single day. All right, uh, Grace, when's the judge expected to come back with a decision? Yeah, it's unclear right now. It looks like there's going to be a couple more days for the sentencing hearing. Crown asking for 9 to 11 years. Now, but there is going to be a constitutional challenge that's going to deal with that credit for time already served while in custody. So uh, whether or not uh, Arvin will get one-to-one for time served or one-and-a-half uh, days credit for a day served, that's going to be the argument. There's going to be two days set aside for that. Those days have not been set yet in court. Chris? All right, we'll see what happens. Thanks very much, Grace. More fallout and frustration tonight over the NDP's decision to delay ride-sharing in this province, failing to deliver on an election promise to bring it in by the end of the year. Critics also questioning why ride-share companies aren't mentioned as part of the consultation process. Tanya Beja has more on the firestorm and the promise from Green Party leader Andrew Weaver. Why one more time did you break another promise yesterday? 
The opposition hammering the Premier for reneging on a pledge to bring in ride-sharing by the end of the year. This is your province, Mr. Premier. You're the one in charge today. You're the one that made the commitment to the province of British Columbia. I make no apologies to the, to the honourable member on the other side for wanting to get it right rather than wanting to get it done for political reasons. To get it right, the province is commissioning a $165,000 study by the same author who already wrote a report on ride-sharing for Vancouver. His mandate doesn't include talking to companies like Uber and Lyft. And obviously any other organization that wants to participate can get in touch with Dr. Hara, but our first uh, step here, and it is a first step, is to deal with the taxi industry. Taxi companies are big NDP supporters, contributing over $65,000 to the party in the first five months of the year. The NDP did not respond to our request for a list of donations since the election. BC's Transportation Minister says the decision to delay ride-sharing isn't about catering to cabs. This has got nothing to do with that. This has got everything to do with passenger safety, driver safety, making sure we have commercial viability across the province. I think perhaps that they're afraid of some of the reaction of the taxi industry, but the taxi industry should be embracing this. The evidence is very clear. Bringing in ride-sharing does not hurt taxi industry. Andrew Weaver says he'll introduce a bill this week to get ride-sharing on the road. Well, it's something in every major city, I think, that's, that, that is, is pretty modern and, and almost a necessity now. It's very convenient. It's very 21st century. I, I think Canadians are always so careful. We're always a little late to the party. The province will review six pieces of legislation governing taxis. New rules on ride-sharing not expected until fall 2018. Tanya Beja, Global News. All right, let's bring in Keith Baldry for more on this. It's not just ride-sharing, Keith. There's quite a growing list of policies the NDP has chosen to delay and is studying instead. Yeah, it's a long list, uh, Sophie. Perhaps reflective of the fact the NDP may not have actually thought they were going to win the election. So they're moving slow on a number of key policy initiatives, including some key campaign promises. I put together a list. It's not an ex- uh, exhaustive one, but it does contain a lot of big ticket items. First of all, the Site C Dam, the future of the dam, of course, being reviewed by the BC Utilities Commission. That probably heads the list, most expensive project. Also, the Ma- Massey Tunnel Replacement Project, that's under review now that the bridge is off the table. The Foreign Home Buyers Tax is under review as well. Uh, there's a big overhaul of ICBC coming because of the problems plaguing that Crown Corporation. There's a review of casino money laundering, which has been well documented in recent media stories. Marijuana regulations are under review as well as we get ready for the new era of legalized marijuana. Uh, $15 an hour uh, minimum wage promise, that's up to a commission now to figure out a way to get there. That's under review. That $10 a day uh, child care promise, a key one for the NDP in getting elected, that's under review as well. No idea when that's going to be finished. A, a performance review of all Crown corporations. Electoral reform is now going out for public consultation and preparation for a referendum next fall, changing the way potentially how we vote. The fish farm industry is under review. And finally, that $400 renter's rebate, another election promise, under review. We don't know when we're going to see that, if we'll see it at all. So a lot of studies, Sophie, but not necessarily a lot of action. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. TransLink's new CEO is sharing a few more details tonight about the company's own plans for ride-sharing. Ted Chernecki explains who it's aimed at and how it could work. Too many cars and too few people in them. So today, TransLink pitched an idea to businesses throughout the Lower Mainland. Why not do what the Puget Sound area has been doing for years when Kevin Desmond ran the show down there before coming to TransLink? We provide the vehicle, and you create a pool. You all might create a pool, and you might be the driver. 
um, of the pool. You would keep the car. You would take care of, uh, of the vehicle. We're partnering with Moto uh, on the program. That's the model we have um, that we had in the Puget Sound and, and elsewhere in the United States. Had enough of the daily traffic grind? It's kind of like car sharing, except the vehicles are as big as a company needs. Thousands of businesses in the Seattle area do it. For their staff, the commute usually costs far less than driving a car, not to mention other benefits. You're spending a lot of money driving alone, owning and gassing your own car. We have a deal for you where you could probably save money, and other the person that, that's actually driving the van pool, it's a much more relaxing way to go. Van pooling won't work for most people, but look at the North Shore, for example. Potential workers can't afford to buy a home there, and they can't afford a long commute. Consequently, businesses can't find staff. But if the employer is large enough, think Lionsgate Hospital, police and firefighters, municipal or educational institutions, even shipyards, it could work. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Well, there is anger tonight over a missed opportunity to vote in Vancouver's by-election. Even though more than 80 percent of residents skipped out, there was one group that desperately wanted to vote but couldn't. The city canceled mobile voting stations in all seniors' homes. Aaron MacArthur tells us why and the impact it had on turnouts. If you didn't vote Saturday, you weren't alone. Despite a concerted effort to motivate the electorate, just 11% of Vancouver residents bothered to mark an X in the by-election. There's lots of locations throughout the city. Just go to the most convenient uh, location, but please, get out to vote. But thousands of people who wanted to vote weren't given the chance. The city didn't send mobile polling stations to long-term care facilities. And worse, the city didn't bother to tell the residents they weren't coming. I was just dumbfounded, and there's just, it's not right. Linda Fox only found out her 94-year-old mother was disenfranchised Sunday morning when she called 311. The city forced to respond after the Vancouver Courier published the story Monday. The city couldn't do an interview with us today, but did issue a statement apologizing for the oversight, saying they only had three months to organize the by-election and saying that mobile voting was too expensive. I said right to them, I said, well... You know, you have 30-plus communications officers. Couldn't one of them have communicated this? Access to voting is something other cities are dealing with. Last week in Lethbridge, a city bus made the rounds of the care facilities. Really nice that they come and actually go where the people live. BC Senior Advocate says one of the big issues for people living in long-term care is the feeling no one's listening to them anymore. It's just terrible. You know, it really is. And it, what it does is it marginalizes one group of people today. What group will it be tomorrow? The city has reached out to Linda Fox, assuring her the situation will be fixed by the time we go back to the polls in November 2018. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. BC businessman Jimmy Pattison is being honored this weekend. Pattison, one of two Canadians receiving the David Foster Foundation Visionary Award at the upcoming 30th anniversary Miracle Gala and concert this Saturday at Rogers Arena. The award recognizes individuals making extraordinary contributions to local, regional, national, and international business and humanitarian efforts. The David Foster Foundation's annual fundraising gala helps to raise money for families undergoing life-saving pediatric organ transplants. And the news hour will be live on Friday at the kickoff to the fundraiser at the Park Vancouver. 
Is it a sign of the times or a crime of opportunity? A Vancouver Island Boys and Girls Club hit dozens of times over the past year by gas thieves. They've tried almost everything to stop it, including installing a security camera. But even that was stolen. Feeling drained and defeated. What they're doing now to deal with it in just over a minute. Well, how's this for a close call? The driver of a car in China cheats death by centimeters, and the whole thing was caught on camera. Coming up. And Ford facing pressure to recall thousands of explorers. The mysterious fault some drivers blame for knocking them out behind the wheel. But first, a particularly heartless crime wave is making life miserable for an Nanaimo charity. Gas thieves continuously targeting the Boys and Girls Club of Central Vancouver Island. As Nitu Garcha reports, the group is out of options to stop relentless thefts without some help from the community. We can't fill our vehicles up with full gas tanks anymore because they're just going to be feeding somebody else's habits. This Boys and Girls Club location in Nanaimo is running low on fuel. Not only is their gasoline being siphoned and stolen... One of these buses, a quarter tank is $100. Thieves seem to bypass every attempt to stop them. What we end up doing is silently suffering trying to endure the situation. Two security cameras were installed, both stolen. New fencing was put in and locking. I'm buying some diesel vehicles because I don't know that they're going to necessarily want the diesel fuel the same way as they do the gasoline. Over the last three weeks alone, there are 10 cases of staff showing up in the morning. Because I don't know that they're going to necessarily want the diesel fuel the same way as they do the gasoline. Over the last three weeks alone, there are 10 cases of staff showing up in the morning to fill a bus with kids, only to find the tank empty. They clean out the gas tank completely. That means they're not able to drive the vehicle, so we're scrambling to find a sloppy sort of way of getting kids off to school and keep things rolling. Very frustrating. Now an oil absorbent lines the parking lot. Often the smell of spilled fuel is thick in the air. At times people would crawl under and cut gas lines and that's not much good either. And my fear is that, you know, they'll cause a spark and they'll get hurt and worse things happen. They've been there for 10 years and there's been 91 documented incidents of thefts or breaking enters and mischief. But in the last year, several dozen theft from vehicles and that's alarming. So they are taking measures. We're hoping the public will assist us. There's not a lot of eyes on the property, which is a problem for us. But if anybody has information, they need to call us and we need to put an end to this. They're crimes of opportunity, says the RCMP, and maybe also part of a much bigger problem. Whether it's poverty or whether it's drug use or whether it's just homelessness, I'm not saying it's any one of those things except that they all conspire. And so when people get desperate, they do things like this. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Nanaimo. Now, is it a great idea or a transportation nightmare that could shut down Vancouver's crown jewel? The company that produced the now-defunct Squamish Music Festival is planning Skookum, a huge three-day concert event next year in Stanley Park. Global's Catherine Urquhart is live now with the details. And Catherine, 20,000 people a day for three straight days is pretty ambitious. Well, Chris, perhaps it is ambitious, but both the promoter and the park board say that this is all very well organized. Skookum due to be held next year, September 7th through the 9th, and it's a festival of music, food, and arts. There have been other large events here before, such as Voices in the Park, but 20,000 people here every day. Well, that is the most people that they've had here in recent memory, according to the park board. This is being put on by Brand Live. We spoke to to them and the park board earlier today and here's what they told us. 
we're quite confident that by starting at a, at a, a lower capacity number that we'll be able to to um, manage that and then ultimately investigate whether or not year over year we could look at some incremental increases. But for now, the focus is just making sure we deliver a first year and that comes off really well. Brockton and Stanley Park is an extremely uh, special uh, place for uh, our um, uh, host First Nations, um, all Vancouverites and the Park Board. So uh, we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that this event is delivered uh, successfully. It's going to have a full of, uh, event management plan that's going to deal with things such as transportation, such as waste management, protection of sensitive areas. Exactly who will be performing here in Stanley Park? Well, that's still unclear, but we're expecting some kind of announcement in the spring. Back to you. All right, pretty amazing setting for it. Thanks very much, Catherine. Giving locals a leg up on real estate deals. Making sure local residents and people who work here have access to buy. Are the city's plans even enforceable? And a kayaker gets into deep trouble. The rescue at sea, caught on camera, later. How many of us do this when we're around big rigs? Dash cam video from truck drivers shows just some of the dangerous driving they see every day. Part of a new campaign urging people to be more truck aware. Also part of today's launch, a demonstration of how long it takes for a fully loaded big rig to stop compared to a car. Both car drivers and truck drivers are urged to be more aware of one another. Each year in BC, nearly 300 people are killed in traffic crashes. About 60 people, one in five, are killed in traffic crashes involving large commercial vehicles. Studies show that in crashes involving cars and large trucks, the occupants of the passenger vehicles are at least four times more likely to be killed than the driver of the truck. The campaign also reminding us that bigger trucks have bigger blind spots and that big rigs make wider turns. The latest controversial plan to make Vancouver housing more accessible went before City Council for a vote today, despite the fact not everyone is convinced it will work. Nadia Stewart is live in Vancouver with the latest on this idea of locals first condo pre-sales. Nadia? Yeah, that's right, Sophie. It's a motion that would see pre-sale condos marketed first to Metro Vancouver residents. Uh, a similar policy already exists in the city of North Vancouver, and now one step closer we are to seeing it here in Vancouver as well. Uh, the vote passed with all Vision councillors voting in favour of this motion, uh, as well as the Green Party councillor, Adrian Carr, NPA councillors, though, they voted against. The mayor says this policy would not address affordability, but it would complement some of the other steps they're taking. The NPA's Melissa DiGenova, though, says that is still not good enough. And the problem is, who are we building housing for in Vancouver? And I can't think of anybody who would disagree with the fact that we have to be building it for those people who live and work here. This particular piece is about access and uh, making sure local residents and people who work here have access to buy in uh, those new projects as they open. It's, it, it may not have an impact on affordability directly, but it will give access to, to locals, I hope. I think this is about making Vancouver an exclusive resort town, and that's what Mayor Robertson and Vision Vancouver have done uh, by moving forward with this motion. 
Now, the next step is to send this over to city staff. Of course, they would come up with uh, the policy framework. And then once that all happens, it would come back to council, of course, uh, for a vote. No timeline, though, on how long all of that will take, Sophie. All right. Thanks for that. Nadia Stewart at City Hall for us. Now, don't forget about your chance to win the ultimate rugby fan experience. Tickets to the HSBC Sevens Rugby Weekend Tournament here in Vancouver. It's the best party of the year. It sure is going to be a great time next March. And you'll also get airfare and tickets to the tour stop in Hong Kong. All you have to do is listen to the news hour for the code word and then go to our website to enter for your chance to win. Coming up, victory over the Islamic State in Raqqa. U.S.-backed Syrian forces take the city back, but will it be a turning point? And how Broad Day is empowering breast cancer patients in ways they never even knew existed. Round four of NAFTA negotiations wrapped up today in Washington, D.C., and it's not encouraging. Canada's foreign affairs minister says they are struggling with some unconventional proposals from the U.S. that she calls troubling. They are major disagreements on everything from dairy against ISIS, Kurdish forces backed by American special ops of Iran in 2018. It's being called a major victory in the battle against ISIS. Kurdish forces backed by American special ops have retaken the so-called capital city of the Islamic State. But is this really a turning point? Today, the black ISIS flag was replaced by the banner of U.S.-backed forces in the city of Raqqa, where ISIS filmed itself celebrating when it rolled into Raqqa three years ago. Today, the table was turned. U.S.-backed forces in the same spot. There was some public cheering too, but most people in this battered city are long gone. This was perhaps the most feared place on earth with frequent public executions. And it was a base for ISIS to plot terrorist attacks, including intelligence services say on the Bataclan Theater in Paris and the Istanbul airport as well as to hold and murder hostages, including American James Foley. The city was freed by mostly Kurdish forces, helped by U.S. special ops and coalition airstrikes. Now, with the loss of Raqqa and the Iraqi city of Mosul this summer, ISIS territory has shrunk from the size of Virginia to a few scattered areas. ISIS still maintains an ability to launch smaller scale terrorist attacks, but I think their their future as a large scale fighting force will largely end with the fall of Raqqa. Some breaking news for you now, a devastating tragedy in the B.C. community of Fernie. An accident that has reportedly killed a number of people. Anne Drua joins us from our newsroom with details on this story. Anne. That's right, Sophie. A very serious situation developing this hour. There has been an ammonia leak, as you mentioned, at Fernie Memorial Arena. Nearby homes and businesses have been evacuated. There are unconfirmed reports tonight there could be multiple deaths. The city of Fernie says fire crews and emergency personnel are on scene this hour. All homes between 9th Street and 13th Street and Highway 3 and 6th Avenue have been evacuated. Residents who live in the evacuated zones are being asked to check in with emergency social services at the Senior Citizens Drop-In Center. That's on 3rd Avenue. Details are still coming in and we of course will have an update for you when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock.
All right, and thanks for that. Okay, and we should clarify, we've only heard at the most, at this point, three deaths, but that is still unconfirmed. So it was a bit ambiguous there, but as many as, it seems like, as many as three fatalities, and we'll get more details as we can. Now, some rare first-person video of a rescue at sea. This was shot near the Argentine resort city of Mar del Plata. By the time the Argentine Navy got to 56-year-old David Sclerusi, he was floating in the water, unable to get back up onto his kayak, suffering from hypothermia. He was taken to hospital and is expected to recover. Well, it is without question one of the most physically and emotionally devastating diagnoses that a woman can get breast cancer that requires a mastectomy. But what many women don't know is that there are many more post-operative choices than there once were. The goal of Bra Day, which is tomorrow in Vancouver, is to make sure they do know. Linda Ellsworth reports. Owning a restaurant is hard work, but it's nothing compared to the challenge Natalie Rivas had thrust upon her six years ago when she got the bad news about a lump in her breast. Lo and behold, the diagnosis wasn't a great one, so it was uh, stage three, uh, so fairly advanced. She was just 37 years old and about to face the toughest battle of her life. I started with uh, six very aggressive courses of chemotherapy, um, followed by a double mastectomy. But before the surgery, Natalie met with a plastic surgeon to learn about her breast reconstruction options. There's a lot of studies now that confirm that women do better if they have a reconstruction in the future in terms of their mood, their relationships, their success at work. There was a time just a few decades ago when breast implants were the only option. Today, there are choices. And there are other uh, techniques where we use the patient's own tissue. So women can have a part of their tummy used to make a new breast. They can uh, have a part of their buttock used to make a new breast. Problem is many women don't know about their options, especially those who don't live in large city centres. If you don't, then you, it will never be offered to you. And you may, not, you may live for years not knowing that you have the ability to have something done. And that is more than a shame. To look down and see nothing but uh, the scars and it just was a little, it's, it's shocking and it, for me it was scary. That was before Natalie's breast reconstruction, a process that required six surgeries over a two-year period. And yet, she has no regrets. I'm exceptionally happy with them, yes. But I think for me it was to have that uh, sort of normalcy back at the end and feel like a woman again. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Well, when was the last time you saw children scream in science class? The teacher finding a new formula for creating fun in the classroom. And caught on camera, how did the driver ever make it out of this with barely a scratch? It looks like a gruesome tragedy in China, but no one could quite believe what happened next. We'll show you right after the forecast. It is astonishing. All right, so was a lot of that wind. Um, mm. Some people still without power. We'll check in with Christy now and see what else is coming, because this is like one storm after another, it seems. 
That's right. So three this week. The first one we saw today, and it's still hammering the southeastern corner of our province. Rogers Pass just starting to see snow as we speak. 15 centimeters of snow expected over the next 12 hours. And Rogers Pass, Kootenay Pass also expecting that. That snow level has really dropped. And look at the peak winds in through that region. Kamloops, 104 kilometer an hour gust today. And Penticton, 94. Same for Kelowna. So that was that southeastern corner that just got hammered. Still some gusts in that region, but it's going to ease off overnight. Across the south coast, we saw anywhere between 60 and 70 kilometer an hour winds. Uh, For our region, tomorrow we're going to see similar winds, but it will be the rain as well. Storm number two is targeting the south coast, and storm number three is off in the distance here, and that is headed our way for Friday night, everyone. So the winds, strongest winds across the north coast, central coast, 110 kilometers an hour, west coast of Vancouver Island up to 100, east coast of Vancouver Island, southern Gulf Islands up to 90 kilometers an hour, potential um, uh, delays with the ferries. And then these areas in yellow, not under a warning, but a special weather statement with gusts up to 70 kilometers an hour. And that includes Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. I am expecting power outages. Now, the peak of this really will happen through the late morning hours, afternoon hours. So here's an example at 1.30 p.m. tomorrow afternoon from White Rock extending all the way in through the Fraser Valley. So, yes, power outages certainly will be a problem. Delays on the roads with the wind and the rain. We'll certainly see pooling water on the roads. How much rain? Well, it'll be the west coast of Vancouver Island that will get hit hardest and then pushing into the lower mainland, dry patching through metro Vancouver. But the further north and the further east you go, that's where you're going to see the majority of that rainfall, especially out in areas like Hope tomorrow afternoon. So wind and rain across the north coast from Prince George down through Quinnell, also very windy. Bulk of the rainfall in this area up in the Columbia region. Just a chance of showers through these regions and far less wind compared to what you saw today. South coast, it will be wet and windy from about 8 a.m. tomorrow morning right through until the end of the day. We'll even see rain overnight Wednesday. Thursday showers, Friday showers, and then the next storm, storm number three, pushes in Friday night through our Saturday. Happy birthday to Basil Cook. She's celebrating 102 years today and happy anniversary to Winnie and Ray Griffiths celebrating 70 years. And this is Prince George today as a storm rolled in. Thank you to Nicole for that one. Good one. Thanks very much, Christy. Well, new video out of China that appears to catch a horrible tragedy as it happened. But witnesses were stunned at what came next. Take a look. A huge crane crashes down on a car, crushing it like a toy. The shock drivers of the other cars believe they have probably watched someone die until... The driver pokes his head out from the top of the shattered windshield and then proceeds to climb out of the car, uninjured. Video shot from other angles shows just how miraculous his survival was. He reportedly suffered nothing more than a fractured ankle. Incredible. No kidding. All right. Owners of Ford Explorers in the 2011 through 2017 model years are being urged tonight to take their vehicles in for free inspections and repairs. The notice, which is not an official recall, covers some 1.3 million explorers, including 84,000 of them in Canada, amid concerns that exhaust fumes are somehow leaking into the cabin. It's one of Ford's most popular SUVs, the Explorer. But tonight, the Center for Auto Safety, a consumer advocacy group, is calling for a recall of 1.3 million vehicles built between 2011 and 2017. 
It follows at least 2,700 complaints of exhaust odors leaking into explorers. Susan Stazetsky says she passed out behind the wheel. I could have either hit the tree or I could have hit the oncoming traffic. And it was by the grace of God that my son and I did not die. Ford maintains their SUVs are safe and there is no need for a recall. Our investigation, they contend, has not found carbon monoxide levels that exceed what people are exposed to every day. It comes after several high-profile incidents nationwide involving police officers and their explorers. After some officers tested positive for unsafe levels of carbon monoxide, many departments put the brakes on the SUVs. Ford says third-party modifications are at fault. What we don't want to do is wait for a body count before we start taking action. Tonight, Ford is offering free inspections and repairs to potential exhaust problems. But advocacy groups worry it's not enough. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, Los Angeles. Well, that's a weird one. Mm-hmm. Not as that's weird as the guy getting out of the car when a crane falls yeah. on him. Right? Oh Amazing. Fractured ankle, man. He's lucky. And we are that you're here. <laughs> Did you not expect that to show up? Well, you know what? <laughs> shows up. you got to be honest. Sometimes it is dicey. Yeah, it's dicey. It's close. <laughs> I cut it close sometimes. <laughs> so the Whitecaps, speaking of cutting it close, they had a chance. They had a chance to clinch first place at home on Sunday. Didn't do it. Now they have to do it in Portland. Sense of winning trophies and, and winning championships, I think this is the most important game that we've had. i got to get me a jacket like that. And winning or even getting a draw in Portland is never easy. Also ahead, fun with chemistry. The Texas teacher with a radical theory about science. All right. Ah, you just made it. I was, I was saying, one <laughs> of these days it. I'm going I'm to videotape you sprinting into the studio. You really need to do it from the start to the finish. It's yeah. much more impressive down the hallways. It is. Okay. <sighs> do you need time? Nope, I'm good. I don't have the, any. The uh, Canucks five-game road trip started tonight in Ottawa. Team that hasn't lost in regulation, but one that's coming off a road trip. And sometimes those teams are vulnerable in their first game after a long excursion. Vancouver, of course, without Louis Erickson. We found him today. He's out four to six with a knee injury. So guess who gets in? Jake. Power play. How about putting Besser on it? Why, that's a lovely idea. Because when he's on it, sometimes good things happen, like a goal. He has now played 12 NHL games. He has six goals. That's a pretty good average to start your career. So one nothing for the Canucks. Jim Benning's on this trip. Yes, Jim, that was a good draft pick. Okay. Berchi, Bermistrov, Besser the shot, Bermistrov the tip. Once again, Besser throwing the puck at the net. Not a hard shot, but an accurate one. We're playing in the third. Nilsson's in goal, 2-0 for the Canucks. We talked about it before the break. The Whitecaps had their chance to clinch first place at home on Sunday. It was all set up for them to celebrate with their own fans. They didn't do it. Now they do have one more chance because they are still in first place, but it'll take at least a draw in Portland, and the Timbers are never easy to chop down. Serves it up, out the back post. It's loose for Jordy Reina. Reina, and it's Tarbell again. The Whitecaps are down to their last kick at clinching top spot in the West. This after missing the mark against San Jose on the weekend, where a home victory would have done the job. It now made life difficult for themselves. 
because the only way they finish top of the table is with a win or a draw in Portland come Sunday. No more misses and no more chances. How anxious are you for that match and how big is that match for this organization as a whole? Massive. I think it's one of those games that everybody wants to play. You know, everybody knows what kind of game this is going to be. It's going to have that playoff feel. Um, you know, those fans are ridiculous and um, I'm excited to go down there and uh, get the three points and win the conference in their, uh, in their home. This is what awaits the Whitecaps in Portland. And just like the Caps, the Timbers have plenty to play for. Portland is also gunning for first in the West. This after missing the playoffs a year ago, just like Vancouver did. Similar storylines with only one meaningful result. Hopefully one that silences Timber Joey. It's for this club, um, in a sense of winning trophies and, and winning championships, I think this is the most important game that we've had. Um, it's a rivalry game against Portland Timbers. We know the environment they have down there. Um, it, it'll be a lot of a lot to contain the excitement and contain the energy up until the weekend. But I think what we, we need to do as a club is take a step back and put it in perspective. If someone had said to us at the beginning of the year that we'd be playing for the conference title in the last game of the season, we'd have said, give it to us. So a uh, little bit of disappointment that we actually didn't get the, the, the conference sewn up this past weekend, but to be able to play for it, and at the very least, if things don't go the well, I mean, my our objective is to play well, and if we don't get the result, then that sets us up for the the playoff game that will come very quickly, um, either on the Wednesday or the Thursday. Chris would know this traffic getting to the Bronx a little tough, so the fans don't fill up Yankee Stadium till until about the third or fourth inning. Six now it's full. One run scores that. Speaking of full, the bases, really Gurriel. All of them come in, including Jose Altuve. It's 3-0 for Houston, which leads the series 2-1. Then the big man, Eric Aaron Judge. What's that? It is a bright. You can't miss those guys. If the lights went out, they'd still be able to see each other. Aaron Judge hits the solo shot. Now it's 4-1. Aaron Judge scores to Kobe Ellsbury. Now it's 4-4. Judge to second. Then Gary Sanchez gets up. Here goes this to where no Astro is found. One run comes in. Didi Gregorius gets the wave. Keep going. Yankees tie it. The series, that is, with a win. It's now 2-2. Two to two. Kyrie Irving and LeBron James no longer play with each other. Irving on Boston. Gordon Hayward, another big player they brought in in the offseason, right there, snaps his left ankle. How bad? That's how bad. Look at the player's reaction. I won't show you. Exactly what it looked like. LeBron James saying good luck. And Gordon Hayward could be gone for the year. Bad luck for the Celtics. It was a gruesome break. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Thank you for thank you for not showing That's that. That's as far as I'll show you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Squire. Here's uh, here's Andrew now with a preview of Global News at 11, and more on that ammonia leak in Fernie. And that's right, Chris. We have just confirmed three people have died in that tragic accident at the Fernie Memorial Arena. The city affirming a Fernie rather confirming the fatality. Staff say the site has been secured. However, crews have not been able to safely enter the arena. The evacuation order will continue for the time being. Again, residents who live in the evacuated area are asked to report to emergency social services at the 
senior citizens drop-in center. We do have a crew on the way, and we will bring you the very latest on our website, globalnews.ca, and of course tonight at 11 o'clock. All right. Thanks very much. And of course, ammonia used in many refrigeration systems, and that would make sense at a rink like that. More details still to come. Up next, the science teacher you'll wish you had. Today's ultimate rugby fan contest code word is scrum. Go online and enter the code word for your chance to win. Tune into Global News Hour at 6 tomorrow for another chance to win. All right. Sometimes learning is about the teacher. The right teacher can set a student on the road to a career that might, they never might have considered. If that is indeed the case, the state of Texas may soon be turning out a bumper crop of chemists. <laughs> For those who find chemistry a boring subject, come on, yes! it's likely Dr. Kate Bieberdorf using just cornstarch and a blowtorch could change your mind. <laughs> to her, the science is explosively fun. Igniting curiosity with her magnetic personality. A liquid has a little bit more of kinetic energy, so it's kind of like this, right? Dancing around a little bit. A stunning bag of tricks and an energy that even science can't explain. She makes you like science and she wants you to do it later in life. And she's got the credentials behind the performance, a real chemist and a lecturer at the University of Texas. We know that you're teaching chemistry, but you look like you're having such a good time. I am. I mean, this is purely selfish, let's be honest. I love doing this. When the kids get hands-on, on go the gloves, goggles, and lab coats. Safety made part of the lesson and part of Dr. Kate's mission to change how people think about her field. It's just this wonderful subject that is intimidating for some reason. It doesn't need to be. It's just awesome. Sometimes learning from experience... Yay! 